Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Scouts podcast, episode number 12, coming at you on Wednesday, May 19th. I am your host, Chad Workman, joined by uh, usual characters next to me, Matt Nine and Sam Ehrman. But we do have a special guest today, Nick Pentakoff of Fantasy Football Astronauts, kind enough to join us. We are going to talk rookie outlooks and play some Who Would You Rather uh, games with these rookies and veterans kind of give you an idea of where these rookies land in rankings uh, with ADP and who we prefer uh, with the guys that are being drafted around them. So let's get into it. everybody for being uh with us today like i mentioned we got a special guest nick pentakoff of fantasy football astronauts how are you doing nick thanks for uh taking the time to join us today yeah i'm doing great guys thanks for having me on i'm super excited yeah of course we're excited to have you have you on the show today like i mentioned we're gonna talk uh some some more rookie stuff here before we get into the show i encourage everybody to head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts Sam actually put out a great article today. Um, I won't tell you about it. I'll let you go find it for yourself. But we keep pumping out content there. So go subscribe uh, to our Patreon. With that said, we are going to talk about Rashad Bateman here first. We're going to kind of skip over the true elite tier of the draft because we know that we all like these guys. So Let's get kind of into the tier two and tier three kind of guys and talk about their ADP, where they're going, and who we would rather have amongst a group of players. So we're going to start with Rashad Bateman going as wide receiver 37 in startups. Would you rather have Rashad Bateman, Michael Pittman, who's going as wide receiver 40, or Odell Beckham Jr. going as wide receiver 38? Nick, what do you think? Uh, I like Rashad Bateman a lot this year. I just don't know that he's going to get the targets. Um, comparable offense to the Titans and AJ Brown hasn't seen more than like 105 targets the last two seasons. Um, but he's been ridiculously efficient. Um, but out of Bateman, Pittman and Beckham Jr., I would probably take OBJ here. Uh, when he's healthy, he can be a wide receiver one. Um, Pittman, I think he's more of the second or third option on that team right now. And then just the unknowns for the volume for Bateman makes me a little, little iffy. So yeah, I'd go OBJ. Sam, where are you going on this one? Um, see, I was looking at this and this is one of those things where I guess it depends on what kind of team you're building. Um, you know, if you're building a high upside win now, two to three year kind of window, you're going OBJ, but if you're going to take it slow and trust the process and draft talent and hope it develops, I think you go Bateman. Um, I mean, you know, maybe if you're looking at these three wide receivers and you want to take, if you're going to go Pittman here of these three wide receivers, I personally would recommend to trade down or trade back a little bit, acquire a little more up um, asset and then take the upside swing with him. But um like I said, I think it really just depends on what kind of team you're building. You know, if you want that two to three year win now kind of 
um, window, then I think you swing for the fences with OBJ. You know, I mean, there still is that 1% chance he gets traded. I mean, that'd be really cool if, like, Green Bay works things out with Aaron Rodgers and they sh- send him, like, uh, OBJ. So you got OBJ, Devontae, and Amari. That'd be sick. But I personally, I'm not going to fade the talent of Rashad Bateman. I, I like everything he does on tape. I I don't love Lamar's throwing ability, and I've always been critical. But this is the prime example of trust the tape and bet on the talent. And, you know, the analytics say, you know, that Rashad Bateman's got that possibility to be that guy. And Lamar has not had an elite wide receiver. Um, you know, he's had an old Des Bryant, Mark Andrews with diabetes, a speedy, droppy Hollywood Brown, something like you're giving him the opportunity to grow and develop. And I think Rashad Bateman helps him take that step. So I'm personally going to take Bateman here. Yeah. So for me, I think right away, I'm going to eliminate OBJ. Um, It's because one, I I think with him now two years in a row, we've seen a lot of inconsistency. And I think if I'm building a roster at this point, I'm wanting somebody, somebody that's more consistent, uh, more consistent than he has been. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, there's also a stretch like last year where Baker didn't throw a touchdown for like six or seven games straight. So I think that also has a lot to do with why I don't like him at his current value. Yes, I agree with everyone on here. The talent is undeniable and I might like him better in a different situation, but with him on the Browns compared to these other two guys, I'm not entirely sure. So then that leaves me with Bateman and Pittman. And I am one that's more conservative. I don't, you know, I, I liked Pittman last year in the process, and I really like Bateman this year, you know, through this offseason process and through the drafts and stuff like that. But I have a really hard time taking somebody who I've never seen play a down in the NFL over somebody that is on track from coach speak all the way through what we saw last year to be the quote unquote Alshon Jeffrey of the Colts for Carson Wentz. Now, a lot of this stuff uh, around Pittman, you know, his success is going to revolve around is Carson Wentz going to be able to fix himself. And, you know, what? I just want to bring this up real quick. When I texted you guys earlier, uh, I, I thought I thought this was interesting about Wentz. So their first five games of the season are all against teams that were borderline double-digit win teams last year or 10, 10 wins or higher, right? So there is a way, like a scenario, where the Colts start 0-5. I think it's a very real possibility, and then 1-6 because their week six game is against Houston. So the only backing Wentz has in Indianapolis right now is Frank Reich. And Frank Reich is smart. He's not going to lose the locker room just to save Wentz. So if they start one and six and he's average or below average, that could be curtains for him. So at that point, I'm not sure, you know, Jacob Eason or whoever else the other backup is could be the next guy up. Um, And then, and then, so I I still, I'm still going to go Michael Pittman here. I, I do believe Carson Wentz gets it fixed relatively well enough um, and I honestly like Pittman for a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns. I just, I think that, that that's in the bank and I'm not sure Bateman gets that. Yeah. I'm actually in agreement with you, Matt, and I'm, I'm a, kind of a Paris Campbell truther. So I hate to admit this, but I think they're, they are giving Michael Pittman the opportunity to take over that number one role. Uh, a lot of people thought they were going to draft somebody, sign a marquee free agent, they brought T.Y. Hilton back, but he's not the same T.Y. Hilton. We know this. And Pittman went for over 500 yards as a rookie, which is a pretty good sign that he's a real player in this league. Um, 
you know, Sam, you mentioned trading back to get him, but he's going as wide receiver 40. I wouldn't have a problem taking him there over guys like Bateman or Beckham. Um, I'm not sure how Carson Wentz is going to be this year, but if, if he's, if he's going to figure it out, it's with Frank Reich. And if he figures it out, I think Michael Pittman stands yeah. a chance to be the biggest beneficiary. So I got the schedule here. Let me pull this up. Okay. Week one, they're home against the Seahawks. It's a toss up. They could lose that one, right? Week two, they're home against the Rams. Another toss up. They could lose that one. Week three, they're at Tennessee. Week four, they're at Miami. Week five, they're at Baltimore. And then week six, they return home to Houston. Like they could very well start one and five. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't really thought of that. But what right. you... I, I... yeah, go ahead, Sam. I was just going to say, like, sorry, I had to shut the video off. It, my thing froze. Um, I, you look at this, this, this Colt schedule, and I pulled it up after Matt started talking about it because I was curious. A lot of those games are, you know, toss-ups, like he said. But I don't think Tennessee – I think Tennessee is going to be one of those teams that gets better later in the year. I think they've got a lot of change, and a lot of things are going to have to, you know, for them to sift over, I mean, their offensive-wise even. Um, so I would project them to win that game. I think the same thing with Miami. I think Miami is a very, 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 very young team, and I think they're going to need to get their, you know, their feet wet and their shoes underneath them. So I really think, you know – three and three would be how I'd start them looking. And that's like, I think personally, worst case scenario. I mean, like the Seahawks could be the same situation as well. Usually Russ comes out cooking, um, but you know, maybe he struggles with the new, you know, LA style offense and takes a while to get cooking. I I, I think Matt Stafford's going to light him up. I think Matt Stafford is going to light the Colts up week two. Um, I, that one, I'm pretty sure you can chalk that as an L, but I mean, looking at, I don't think it's a doomsday scenario. Um, and I think they want to run the football and play good defense and have Carson not screw it up. Um, and Carson can make plays. I'm trusting Frank Reich to fix this dude because I saw what he can be. And I know Frank Reich is one of those coaches that knows how to get the best out of everybody. And I don't think Doug Peterson cared anymore. I think Doug Peterson kind of knew writing was on the wall late. So we kind of gave up on him. Um, so, so, I mean, like I'm all in you know, on like the Carson Wentz, Michael Pittman combo. But looking at those two, I personally have them, you know, Bateman and Michael Pittman tied right now. But I think as a player, Bateman's ceiling is higher. And he may – Lamar may not be, you know, that perfect QB that everybody wants. But I think he's a better quarterback than Carson Wentz, and he's going to throw the ball over Rashad Bateman. He's not stupid. John Harbaugh's not stupid. I really expect them to utilize Rashad Bateman as an alpha, um, really expand that offense. Could it very well be um, – and I'm going to ask this question because I, I kind of want you guys' thoughts. Could it very well be that Lamar has struggled throwing the football because he didn't have competent weapons to throw to, really? I mean, like, other than his seven-yard check down to Mark Andrews, he doesn't have a lot of reliable weapons. So maybe he's been judged too harshly when throwing to junk because he's putting up better numbers than most guys in the league with poor quarterback or poor wide receiver play. So it's very possible that when you give him these new quality weapons, he takes that jump like he should have all along. Like, I mean, is that in the realm of possibility or am I just being loony? I definitely think it's a possibility, but it's also like the Ravens haven't not gone out and drafted high quality receivers. They got Marquise Brown in the first 
turned around, took Miles Boykin in the second. Now, I mean, obviously Bateman is more talented than both of those guys, especially Boykin, but it's not like the Ravens have not given him weapons at any point. They spent the entire offseason trying to sign uh, – uh, I guess they did get Watkins. They tried to go after Juju. They went after Valaday yeah. and some of these other guys. So, I mean, I it, you could be entirely right, but also at the same time, the Ravens have given him stuff. I think it's more so they're admitting they whiffed. You know, like they, they whiffed on Hollywood. Like he's just a burner. They whiffed on Boykins. Like I'm a Notre Dame fan. I've watched every Notre Dame game since like 2003. Miles Boykin wasn't very good. Um, you know, so I think that that's them acknowledging, like, look, we got to get this dude some help. You know, we've got to get this guy a viable wide receiver. And I think Rashad Bateman really helps with that situation. Um, and I saw Nick, you know, really thinking about it. So I'm curious to see what he has to say as well. Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, I, I like Marquise Brown. I think he's more than a burner. I just don't think they've used him correctly. Um, I think, honestly, a big part of it is the offense. Uh, they run a lot of really basic route concepts and it, it really seemed like defense has really figured it out last year. Um, and Bateman's a very versatile wide receiver. So I think he's really going to elevate the offense. And then uh, the offensive coordinator was talking about how they were going to change up the offense a little bit. So I'm really intrigued to see how it does change. And if they do open it up a little bit more, um, I like Bateman a lot, um, but I am a huge OBJ fan. So that's why uh, I just lean him just a little bit over Bateman, but yeah, I wouldn't knock anybody for going Bateman over OBJ at this ADP. I think the other thing to know is uh, you mentioned Marquise Brown and not necessarily being utilized correctly. I've never been a huge fan of Hollywood, but he was he had 794 unrealized air yards last year. And I saw Lamar miss him on many throws when he had separation. So I don't know if I totally buy into that, Sam, back to your question. Um, but we'll see. I mean, he's going to have a, yes. a better opportunity. It's... See, that's the question. One off season later, Bateman's running deep down the left sideline. Like what, what is Lamar done to change that, to hit Bateman? Exactly. So, I... No, I mean, like, I, that's a fair question. I just, you know, it's in the realm of possibilities and it's, you know, it's questions you got to ask when you're doing player analysis. I mean, but at the same time, I can go pull up 10, 15 clips of Patrick Mahomes missing Tyreek Hill wide open down the field. So we can't get too cherry picky because I feel like that can help us really miss like the broader spectrum. I think L- Lamar misses more throws than most guys. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say he doesn't, but I also think, you know, he's never had, like, I don't think people, when they sit there and like picture offenses, how important it is to know you have a reliable guy on your left or right outside, you know, cause you've got Mark Andrews in the middle. That makes a big difference. But then when you're having to force throws or you're on the run or, you know, you don't have somebody who's open, you got to like, just try to pretty, you know, you throw it to either your guy gets it or nobody gets it. And Lamar is good at that. So I think, you know, if he has to tweak it, you know, knowing he can trust Rashad Bateman, knowing he might be able to trust Tylon Wallace, you know, I think that can really help a quarterback's development. And I'm excited to see, I would, I really hope Lamar makes me eat my words from last year when I was right about him. That's what I hope. Well, 2021, we're going to find out who really Lamar is because he has everything he needs. Him and Daniel Jones and Drew Locke. And I mean, we got so many quarterbacks we're going to find out about this year. Yeah. Jalen Hurts. So it's going to be a fun season to evaluate more mediocre quarterback <laughs> play. Um, oh. Yeah, I went there. Um, 
Let's uh, let's shift to Elijah Moore. He's going as wide receiver 43. Uh, would you rather have Elijah Moore, Tyler Boyd, who's going as wide receiver 42, or Will Fuller going as wide receiver 44? Matt, let's start with you. So I thought this one was pretty easy for me. I think I'm going to go Elijah Moore by quite a bit. Uh, Tyler Boyd is now third on the on the depth chart behind Chase and Higgins. And uh, you got Fuller now who – is going to miss week one, maybe week two. I think just week one. Just one, uh, yeah. Yeah, just, just the one game for the suspension. And uh, and then they just drafted a, a wide receiver sixth overall in Waddle. So it's clear Waddle's the one. Um, you know, I, I do expect Will Fuller to, to have a relatively decent year. Um, but his best finish came last year as wide receiver 35. So it's nothing spectacular, not a spectacular career he's had. Elijah Moore, they, they, they took early in the draft. I believe he was their second round pick. Um, and I've seen several highlights of Zach Wilson, just absolutely peppering him in practice with what they've been doing up there. So at this particular ADP, even though I'm not a huge fan of all three of these guys, I think Elijah Moore is your best bet for consistent targets. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I also agree. This is one where I was talking, you know, before the show, I thought it was pretty easy for me. Um, I've never, ever had a share of Tyler Boyd in any league. It's not that I didn't want to. I just, I, I don't know. I never liked him at his cost and everything. But, I mean, I don't want anything to do with Tyler Boyd unless I'm desperate. Um, Will Fuller, as of today, he's the best player on this list. Um, but, you know, his things is, you know, the suspension and then um, injuries. Um, I mean, if I knew I was going to get 16 games out of – uh, Will Fuller, I'd take him, but you, you can't guarantee me that. So I'm going to take Elijah Moore, who's, you know, I'm curious to see what Elijah's Moore, uh, Elijah Moore's ceiling is in the NFL. I really like him. Um, and the, these guys are all that even for me. So I'll just take the younger, better, fresher prospect with the new QB and see what I get. Uh, if you could guarantee 16 games out of Will Fuller, I think he's the smash pick here. Um, last year, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He was eighth overall on a point per game basis in 14 games. However, I thought this was really interesting. I looked up the splits um, for Tyler Board with and without Joe Burrow, and he averaged 16.2 PPR points per game with Joe Burrow and only six without him. And that was in 10 games. So I think Tyler Boyd is actually really underrated. Um, T. Higgins. Even with Chase coming in, though? Like even, even with, with yeah, and a healthy Joe Mixon, absolutely. Because I think they're they didn't did they draft an offensive lineman? I don't think they did. Did they? In the second round, they took Cameron from uh, Clemson. Okay, and I believe I they also first. signed somebody in free agency. I can't remember who. Right, Bradley Reef. Ah, yes. So I think Burrow's probably going to be throwing it what like five hundred times, if not more. So Chase, he'll probably see like at least 130 targets. That leaves at least 100 targets for Boyd. And I think Boyd will easily get a lot of those underneath throws because the offensive line might be a little improved, but it's not going to be that much better. And I think T. Higgins is a great talent, but Boyd's going to man the slot primarily. So he's going to get peppered with targets. Justin Jefferson at LSU, look how many targets he got. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because I think – Burrow, well, Matt and I, I believe, talked about this last week. Burrow threw the ball over 40 times a game 
last year. And I, I know Matt was saying, you know, that's not a formula to win in the NFL, but when has Cincinnati showed a formula to win in the NFL? I think they're going to continue to air it out a ton. But that being said, I, I'm not a huge Boyd guy. I think he does get hurt a little bit more by the chase edition. I know he'll run out of the slot and still get targets, but I think he just relies a lot on volume. And if, if it hurts either Higgins or Boyd, I think it's going to hurt Boyd a little more. Um, I, I'm surprised that you guys found, seems like you guys found this question pretty easy, but I, I like Will Fuller again, we know the injury history. So that's kind of the, the difference maker for me, but I, I really like Elijah Moore. I really like Zach Wilson. I think the jets are on the right track. So I'm going to go with Elijah Moore here as well. Um, I think he has a chance to be a stud and, it's really there's two other guys there in Denzel Mims and uh, Corey Davis that are going to probably see more targets this year, but uh, it's still wide open in terms of getting that kind of number one role. So um, that's the direction I'm going in as well. Was Corey Davis a one year deal? No, I three. believe it was a three. Yeah, it was like three for sixty uh, or something like that. Oh, oof. So, okay. So he got the bag. It wasn't like a one-year, yeah. fourteen mil. I did. I did. I didn't they, think to look they, at it. They signed him to be the one, based on money. Yeah, it was three for thirty-seven point five. Or three for thirty. Yeah. So, so, so that's that's still a decent contract. Like they went out and got him. Yeah. Like, and he, I, he's he'll never be what the you know the Titans drafted him to be, but he'll be a good player. Um, he'll probably end up being just like a wide receiver three. But I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean the guy you want is either Denzel Mims or Elijah Moore. One of them is going to hit. It just depends on who. Yeah, totally. And Mims was okay last year. Like he wasn't bad when he played, but I think Elijah Moore is there. I mean, they're both very athletic, but Elijah Moore is a more explosive player. I think I found something really interesting. So I, I finished my wide receiver model last week. The one that Andrew and I have been working on and Denzel Mims actually graded out relatively well. I, f- I f- believe he fell in like tier two, the guys that have like a 65% chance to produce at least one top 24 season or something like that. But it was interesting when you go through and you look at all the guys that missed that were in the, in the tier two and tier three, those, all of those guys that missed were rookies that sustained an injury their first year. And they were just simply never able to bounce back after that. They just weren't the same. So I am. You better leave Brian Edwards alone, or I'll come through this screen. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying anything, but since because so my data pool went back to 2012. So since 2012, there have been, I believe, 10 or 11 rookie wide receivers that missed their rookie season because of an injury, whether they sustained it, you know, week three, week four, not late in the year, week 17, 16, 17, I'm not counting that, but within the first like four to five weeks. And when they came back year two, they were never the same. And some of the guys never even played another down. They just fell off the face of the map. So I wonder if Denzel Mims falls in that category. What were those injuries though? Like were that sounds like it was like a, an Achilles or something. I mean, Denzel Mims got hurt and came back. It wasn't like a serious injury. And the same thing with Brian Edwards. So I'm curious to see if you broke it down between I, I didn't um, like specific injuries. Let me look. I knew some of the injuries off the top of my head, but I did. I know I did not go. Yeah, because Mims was a that. hamstring strain. So so. Corey Coleman, he broke his hand. He actually started very, very hot. And then he broke his hand, and that was it. 
And that was also on top of just a terrible coaching staff. Hey, whoa, 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 hey, whoa, whoa. I, I said whoa. coaching, not I was, scouting. I was no, I was a part of that staff. Okay. Part of a terrible was, specific head coach. Okay. Well, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. I you know what? Let's just move on before I get really all defensive. Okay. Uh Brashad Perryman had a hamstring injury. He was never never able to get right again. Uh he ranked up there. Uh, moving down here, Devontae Parker had all kinds of injuries his rookie year. He never got right up until just a year ago, two years ago, whatever that was. Uh, Zay Jones had a hamstring injury, and he jumped off a balcony. Kevin Kevin White, did he break his foot? Wouldn't, wouldn't that before? Kevin White had a plethora. I mean, he was always yeah. hurt. Uh, He's still somebody I wish I could have seen, like what he could have been, because like he was a freak, man. Paul Richardson tore his ACL. Uh, there's a handful of guys here that had off-field issues, not really injury-related. Um, so those are the guys I see right off the top of my head that are in the top three tiers. But Mims was one of those guys that I like noticed, along with others that other players that will not be named, that there seemed to be a pattern. Like, not yes, you can bounce back, but it was just interesting to see that because it sets you back so far, like when I read this, like I kind of have the same concern with Rager now because it, he get, you got set back so far in an off season that you never even had to start with. So I'm always curious too, if there's any correlation to success for run uh, wide receivers and quarterbacks that come in the league together. I feel like there's kind of a camaraderie there and I hope, I hope Zach Wilson and uh, Elijah Moore can connect on that but let's go ahead and move to Rondale Moore who's going as wide receiver 39 kind of rich there uh would you rather have him or Jalen Rager going as wide receiver 46 or Curtis Samuel going as wide receiver 47 Sam what do you think um it it's interesting because like I know what to expect with Curtis Samuel in Washington so it's like I'm trying to put that all aside and not like get too excited, but I think I'm going to go Rondale here. Like, I don't, I never, I didn't love him as a prospect. I, I really liked him. You know I mean? Like I wasn't in love with him. Um, Jalen Rager. It was uh, Jalen Rager to me is the exact same thing as Rondale Moore was for me last year. Like my wide receiver six didn't love him. Wasn't didn't hate him. Like I'd be happy to have him for the right cost. Um, but you know, like it comes down to trusting the coaching staff you know, for me, uh, between those two, you know, would I rather see Cliff Kingsbury in, in the air raid or um, Nick Sirianni and whatever the hell that's going to be? Um, so, you know, it, I don't, don't I'll go Rondale. What'd you say? Said same thing. Don't, uh, start. don't start. All right. I, I wasn't going to start. I was just saying whatever it's going to be. Look, okay. So that's what it's going to be. be. Silky but like seriously, what kind of scheme are we expecting them to run? Like a read option, short I throw. I told you ten times. Go watch Oklahoma tape. What they do in Oklahoma with Jalen Hurts, they're going to do with the Eagles this year. It's going to look identical. It's going to be screens. It's going to be getting. Yeah, Devontae, you better hope so. Devontae and Rager on short slants, getting the ball in their hands quickly and in space. It's going to be RPOs and the read option and running the football with a handful of deep shots. Man, I hope so. Because if they're out there doing seven-step seven drops with Jalen Hurts, that dude's going to be on the – like his green jerseys will be black and his black jerseys will be green. So I don't, man, I I don't I just expect hope the like 
the offense, quote unquote, to be up tempo, like like Chip Kelly, like get to the line. But I expect the play oh, yeah. call to be a quick one, two, or go. Like I, I don't think there'll be a lot of sitting back there thinking about it. Well, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on what they think about his mental capacity with it's reading. Amazing. But I get what you're saying. Um, so yeah, I don't know. We got super sidetracked, but give me Rondale. You know, like I like him the most of all these prospects. He's younger. He's he's a physical freak. Um, he's in a great spot. Other than DeAndre Hopkins, there's nobody good in that room. Um, so, you know, I'll take the shot with the young buck that I really like, you know, with the speed and everything, and they're going to give him the ball. So it'll be fun to see what he does, and I'd be excited to have that, especially wide receiver 39. So you're probably looking at, like, the eighth or ninth round. Um, I had it pulled up a minute ago. Let me see here. That It's Nick. Be... You're fired. <laughs> you put me on the spot here. It'd be the seventh round, like middle of the seventh round. Oh, you were talking about the ADP. I thought you were talking about who was up next on the call sheet. <laughs> You've been rehired. <laughs> hey, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one who thought that you meant like who is it? Like as in the ADP. I thought okay, never mind. Chad's Chad, you are so confused right now. Nick, who you got? What's up? Yeah, I would choose. I would choose more here. Um, I think they're going to use him kind of how they used him at Purdue. Um, just a lot of really short routes. Hopefully, they hand the ball off to him a few times a game. Uh, Rager, there's so many question marks with him. Curtis Samuel, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think I go more here. He's John Hopkins is going to take a lot of attention off of him. And I think this defense is still pretty meh, so they're going to have to throw the ball a lot. So, yeah, I'd go more here. So, since I don't know what to expect from Curtis Samuel in Washington, uh, I'm not going to pick him because this is basically the same staff that was in Carolina that didn't know how to use him that we had an outcry for. Why can't you get him the ball correctly? Now he's in Washington. So, you got McLaurin, you got Gibson, you got McKissick and you got Diami Brown. So I'm not sure if we're going to see the consistency we want. I'm sure he's definitely going to have some massive games, but I'm not, that's not somebody I feel comfortable rolling out in my lineup every week. Uh, so as for Rondell Moore, I am beginning to learn a little bit more about analytics and I'm still on the fence, but I am starting to understand it. So my issue with Moore is this guy had an incredible freshman year and then he disappeared. Like no, there was almost no sophomore year production, very minimal, very minimal junior year production. There just it wasn't there. And also, I have learned that someone of his stature has never, there has never been a player in the NFL to succeed at his height and weight. I found that interesting. I'm not sure I believe it, but there are definitely some red flags there. And on top of that, Kingsbury had a quote, I think it was two weeks ago, that uh, DeAndre Hopkins and AJ Green, they're getting their targets. And then Rondell Moore is competing with everybody else for playing time. You're gonna. Roll. I forgot about AJ Green. You're rolling. I think AJ Green. You're rolling AJ. Yeah, I think out he's there over over Rondell Moore. I like, but coach has already said he has targets. Rondell's competing for targets, so I'm. I don't. I don't like that there. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna take Rager. I think AJ Green's still got some juice left. I do too. He got like 128 targets last year, or something like that. But do you really ca- like 128 targets from Ryan Finley? Is like like 75 NFL targets. Joe, Joe Burrow as well. I don't know what that split was, 
when when Burrow. Yeah, was but but so so I'm going with Rager. Um, I know we just kind of touched on what the Eagles' offense is going to look like a smidge. Uh, I do know that they're moving him a lot more into the slot this year, and Devontae and Greg Ward are going to play on the outsides. Um, I like Rager in the slot a whole lot, especially if they're doing quick stuff to get the ball in your hands. Um, you know, they invested a first round pick in him last year. I understand they did it again this year with Smith, but we've talked about this a lot. Coaches are hard headed and they're going to, they're going to prove to everyone and themselves why we drafted this guy. So I think Rager, um, who is became best friends with Jalen last year, um, is in for quite a year. I, th- I actually, I actually think that Devonte Smith and Jalen Rager will have very, very similar offensive outputs, statistical outputs this year. So Matt, let me ask you a follow-up question because we just talked about injuries during rookie seasons. Uh, Jalen Rager had three last year. So how does, how do you feel about that? According to kind of the injury setbacks, like we just talked about. Well, I, I'm, I, I still feel the same, but I, 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 I'm okay with it based on this list of three that you gave me. Because okay. like I said, I don't, I don't know about that consistency with Samuel. It's with the same staff, like I said before, that, that didn't use him correctly. And then, as I mentioned before, I, I think that's interesting that just nobody has ever succeeded at Rondell Moore's height and weight. And then I also think it's a red flag. I think it's just like a general statement. Like you had an amazing freshman year at college. You dominated. Then what happened? Why you're supposed to get better as you get older and he got worse. So I, I don't, I don't know if I like that. Yeah, I actually agree with you. I'm going to take Rager as well. I liked him quite a bit coming out. Uh, I'm not a huge Rondale Moore fan. I know I basically would just echo everything you said, Matt. So I won't, I won't spend too much time on it, but the, the production drop-off worries me a lot and, and obviously his size. And I think they are a little crowded there. Um, I know, Sam, you, you don't like Christian Kirk a whole lot as a player. I don't necessarily love him myself, but I, I do think they're going to continue to use him to an extent. Uh, and Curtis Samuel, I was going to say the exact same thing with regards to this coaching staff used him horribly in Carolina. Joe, we saw what he could do with Matt Rule and Joe Brady. It's kind of unfortunate, I think, that he went back to that same coaching staff because I'm a little worried about him and his production. So, Give me Jalen Rager. I agree with you, Matt. I think he's going to be pretty similar to Devontae Smith. I'd have, you know, Devontae Smith kind of as the one A there, but I think they can both be productive. I think Jalen Hurts need needs to clean up his uh, uh, completion percentage a little bit, but I think he will. I think that, <laughs> and Matt's making faces at me, but I think, you know, I think he will take a step forward in that that regard this year. So I, I want to... I want to hop in because like after listening to you guys and I was on the fence the way it was, but I think I would go Rager with you guys now after kind of hearing what you had to say and um, everything, what Matt had to say, like, I didn't love the situation I was put in. Like I, I would have been fine with all three really. Um, but I think I'll go with Rager um, in, you know, I mean, nothing changes about what I said. I just, you guys made some pretty compelling points and things I really liked and a lot of points that I didn't even notice or, you know, Matt educated me on like the height and weight stuff and that stuff matters to me. And, um, you know, so I, I'll go Rager as well. And I want to say good job on that convincing there, Matt, even though, you. you know, you're always a little biased with anybody with Jalen Hurts, but you do make some really good points. Yep, I agree. Like I said, I was gonna make a lot of the same ones. It's easy to go after Matt when he when he hits a home run like that because I can just be like, "Yeah, same." <laughs> same 
No, but I, I get I get the the pull towards Rondell Moore as well there, Nick. So um, also, yeah. What's the difference between Rondell Moore and Andy Isabella? Well, Andy like, and Isabella I, I, isn't good football. Right. Well, like I'm saying, outside of college production, I mean, Andy Isabella like way outproduced more. Kind of the same height. Well, Maybe see, I know I pick on him last year, so well, it's like yeah. that was a couple of years ago. But um, I know that like the analytics community, like I was, I came into the fantasy world late in 2019. Like June 1st was or May 31st was like my first day, um, 2019 after he was drafted, and um, I know the analytics community loved him. You know, checked all their boxes, but it just I know the tape community also you know hated him. Um, and I remember getting to an argument with. Uh, Jake from the fantasy headliners about Andy Isabella. Um, and that's actually kind of what started the whole Twitter thing for me. But um, yeah, I, I think the difference is, well, Rondale's actually explosive. I think he's, I think he's good at football, but I mean, like, I don't think he's like some elite superstar talent. Like people want, I think he's more, he might be in one of those guys who's a good producer, but he, end up, he may end up being just more of a gym rat than anything, but I don't think he's going to be in and out of the league in two years. Like Indy, Indy Isabella. I think he'll stick around for a while. Cause he, he, you can, you know, he can return kicks and everything and he's durable to a point. Um, you know, and he's worked on putting muscle on. I mean, like, I know he had those injuries, but it was never – it was always lower body stuff with him. And, you know, that, that's what you get when you have a fast guy with, you know, low BMA, BMI and stuff like that. And, I mean, you guys read my article a couple months back. So, yeah, I I mean, you that's a – yeah, I got nothing else to say, really. Yeah, I was I was going to say, um, I think I, I like Rondell Moore more than Kadarius Tony, but they both kind of strike me as guys that are going to be better – uh, NFL players for their team and they will fantasy players, but we'll see how that turns out. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to Terrace Marshall going as wide receiver 41 versus Brandon cooks going as wide receiver 45 or Michael Gallup going as wide receiver 50. Nick, uh, what do you got for us on this one? I think this one's really easy. Terrace Marshall, he's the third option in that offense. Michael Gallup, he's probably the third option in that offense too. Brandon Cooks is going to be the wide receiver one. And the only thing I'm worried about there is, is it going to be Davis Mills starting or is it Deshaun Watson? Um, if it's Deshaun Watson, Brandon Cooks has, you know, wide receiver one upside. Um, so, yeah, I think it's pretty easily Brandon Cooks at this ADP for me. That's really, really interesting. Why is that interesting, Matt? Tell us more. It just is. Well, I, I don't believe that Deshaun Watson plays for Houston again, regardless of the legal outcome. Um, I, I do know they said on not to take, not that I listen to this stuff like it's, you know, gospel, but they said on get up uh, that TV show in the morning on ESPN, like last week that the Houston Texans have made it known that they are willing to part with Deshaun at this point in time uh, for the right price. So I guess technically he is on the trade block and that kind of indicates, I don't, I don't think he'll be back. So then it's like, is it Davis Mills for Tyrod Taylor? And I honestly think we'll see both of them, um, which is not super encouraging. And I also really don't believe cooks will be the one. I think it'll be Nico Collins. Uh, so that's where I'm at with that. Uh, Michael Gallup. I agree with Nick. He's the wide receiver three. I think it's a pretty, pretty big gap between Cooper and lamb. And then there's Gallup. So I'm actually going to go with Marshall here and it's not so much as for 2021, mm-hmm. but I'm looking down the road because Robbie Anderson, I have a hard time believing will be back next year. 
And on top of yeah, that, he's a free agent. And on top of yeah, that, he, he's. I actually think the Panthers do end up trading for Deshaun Watson. So that is why I'm going with Marshall because with Watson there at some point in 2021, under it was my assumption, um, he's he's going to get a handful of targets. You know, I, I think more Marshall and and Anderson could all potentially all be top 30 guys. And then when Anderson leaves, uh, Marshall was there with his. Uh, what was it? His offensive coordinator from from LSU. So I think he takes over that wide receiver two role, and I think him and DJ Moore just tear it up. Yeah, Matt took what I was going to say. Um, I mean, like it's like he was reading my mind or something. Um, but I want to add on, like after Robbie Anderson, they can leave Robbie Anderson in the dust after next year. It won't cost him a penny. I mean, his contract's completely up, um, and Terrace Marshall is, you know, a prospect that I really liked big body guy with alpha potential. Um, DJ Moore is great. DJ Moore is an elite player, uh, but he's not like that alpha guy. Um, and I really think, you know, Terrace Marshall will develop into that um, for 2021. You know, if you like, that's the thing is if I knew it was Deshaun Watson, the answer is absolutely Brandon cooks for 2021. But if you're playing dynasty in the longer road, then I would probably go with Terrace. Um, this it would really suck. Like if Matt's right, they trade for Deshaun Watson, but Terrace Marshall's like in the deal. Like that would really suck. But interesting, you know, like, I because they do need. I mean, it's possible, but it like, could be Robbie Anderson. They might just dump him to this year. You know, they could. It just. I hope to God they don't trade. My, if they were going to put a package together that involved players and picks they're trying to dump, it'd have to be Sam Darnold. You can't – like, Sam Darnold will get traded, and that sucks because I really want to see Sam Darnold with a good coach, and they don't have one down in Houston. Um, I really think Sam Darnold could be a superstar, um, and I'm really excited for him and Matt Rule, but that may not happen. But an offer would realistically look something like Sam Darnold – Maybe Robbie Anderson, if they wanted to try to dump the money or to have the money balance out, uh, because that's a big thing. And Robbie Anderson, $12 million cap hit would really help, you know, stop the bleeding with the money. Um, and then a couple firsts. So, I mean, like you'd be looking at something like Robbie Anderson, Sam Darnold, 2022 first, 2023 first for Deshaun Watson, and probably like a fifth round pick. Like they'll get something else beside Deshaun Watson, but. You know, like, I'm not in the world of knowing what's going to happen if it ever happens. Like, so I'm just going off of the information that I have now. Um, and that is that Robbie Anderson's out of town. I don't believe Deshaun Watson ever plays for Houston. Um, I was watching the show today. It was on the background. I was doing some work. The show where Adam Schefter comes on sometimes um, with, like, Marcus Spears and those guys. Inside the um, NFL and, or, and, or something like that. <sighs> I don't remember what it is, but Adam Schefter came on today and said, yeah, yeah, NFL Live, that's what it is. Duh. Um, Adam Schefter came on today and said that the Houston Texans were no longer hell-bent that they were not trading Deshaun Watson. They've been quiet about it, and they've been taking phone calls. And that's what he said. It came out of his mouth. So, you know, I think that they're, I think they're to a point now where they know he can't come back. Um and I think that, you know, they're shopping. I think they're trying to do it quietly. You know, Denver, Carolina. Um, I mean, if you want to break the league, Green Bay, you know, do a little swappy swap with 
Rodgers and Watson, but could you imagine how happy Aaron Rodgers would be? This is pure sarcasm, by the way, to get traded down to the other dumpster fire in the NFL. Like, you know how that would be the biggest fuck you in sports history. Like, that would be like, oh, yeah, you want to do me like that, huh? And I'll just retire. Like, it'll be like Gronk when he got traded to the Lions and said he retired. It'll be like that. Um, but yeah, with I know we, I got super sidetracked, but I'm absolutely taking with the information that I have, um, Terrace Marshall, and then seeing what I've got because I'm going to believe the talent. Like I understand Brandon Cooks is one of the most underrated, disrespected players in the NFL, and I don't mean to disrespect him here, but I'm not going to take him. And then Michael Gallup, I like his swag. Yeah, I'm. Uh... I'm on the Terrace Marshall side as well. I do think he profiles as a as a you know potential number one co number one there uh, next to DJ Moore. Uh, I think the other thing I really like about Marshall is obviously he teams back up with Joe Brady as you mentioned, Matt. But I like that Marshall played on the outside. He also ran out of the slot a lot last year, um, and that's something I think that versatility is going to help him get on the field and stay on the field. I think you know when you have a rookie that's kind of one-dimensional it's a lot harder to get on the field especially when you have players ahead of you that that fill that kind of one dimension I think the fact that Terrace Marshall can play the slot and on the outside will help him get on the field and stay on the field and obviously Joe Brady knows how to use him I'm not crazy about I, I like Michael Gallup the player obviously the situation I believe he's a free agent after this year so perhaps he's, he'll be interesting uh, if he leaves Dallas next year and finds himself with kind of a, a bigger slice of the pie somewhere but I'm curious Nick are you worried about I mean Brandon Cooks obviously is on his like 20th concussion now um, does that worry you at all his ability to to stay healthy or Honestly, that doesn't worry me at all. I don't. I think he's only missed like three or four games over his career. So he's had like two or three concussions, but he hasn't missed much time. And honestly, even if it's David uh, Davis Mills or Tyrod Taylor, I'm not really worried. I, Nico Collins, he's a great wide receiver, but Brandon Cooks, it, like you had mentioned, he's very underrated, and I think he's going to command targets. The defense sucks. They're going to throw the ball a ton. Brandon Cook's probably going to see 130 plus targets. And I think he can easily be a wide receiver two with uh, low end wide receiver one upside. Um, the only thing that's going to hold him back from that is Davis Mills or Tyrod Taylor throwing the ball. <laughs> How dare you hate on Davis Mills? I like Davis Mills. Oh my I, I want Matt and his backup. <laughs> Huh. I yeah. am all about the QB value because you were the one that convinced me a year ago to stop playing in one QB leagues. So now I'm going into year two of a two. It's my issue. Hold on. And I'm going to cut you I off. Have, I have Dwayne Haskins. I'm going to strike gold at some point. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. My, I can always tell when you're a commissioner of a league because there's two tight ends. Always. Like, you you doubled everything. Like, <laughs> what do you think about this trade offer? Two tight end league. Ah, is Matt Nine the <laughs> commissioner? Yeah. <laughs> Your home league, the other scouts league. What's wrong I, with two tight ends? You could barely start one good tight end, man. Now you want us to start two? Like people, two QB, people are really going to be rolling out. Tight ends like, are great. I'm all aboard the two. If you got two formula, if you got two, I mean, like, yeah. but if I'm you're the poor son of a gun, but if you're rolling out like Hayden Hurst and Albert O, like, is your two tight ends? You know, like, sounds like you drafted poorly spot. to me. 
Hey, the one league I'm in that has the two tight ends is your home league, and I got Darren Waller, so I'm more than content at tight end position. But, All right, uh, this is killing me. The anticipation is killing me. It's like Christmas morning for me because we're going to talk about Javante Williams next, um, so let's get to it. Uh, Javante Williams, RB21, Josh Jacobs, RB20, or David Montgomery, RB22. I'm going to start this one off because Javante was my RB1 of the class, and he still is now. You can call me a homer. You can make faces at me. It's Homer. Fine. Hey, Chad, where do you live? I. That's a right. Yeah, can you tell the audience where you live, please, good sir? Just, just tell us the state. <laughs> just tell us the state. I live, okay. I live in Denver, so I know <laughs> very well. Sorry. No, we're, I, we're just having fun, buddy. I know the Broncos better than anybody, so I know exactly what they're going to do, and I can tell you in advance, so listen up. Um, the, I, I basically went through it. I think it was, <laughs> it was last week I think I went through it, but Melvin Gordon, is not, he's fine. He's good. He's not great. Uh, I talked about how Philip Lindsay had – he was on pace for 170 targets before he got hurt. Uh, and I think Javante Williams, I mean, he's obviously a better player than Philip Lindsay. I think he's going to see that amount of touches and him and Gordon are going to be fairly close in terms of uh, their overall rushing attempts. And I think it'll be a situation kind of like Dobbins in Baltimore last year, where Williams is really efficient early on and he slowly and surely just takes the job over from kind of the, the veteran that's that's not as good and not as explosive i love javante williams contact balance he initiates contact he falls forward he runs through it his pad level better than any running back in this class so i'm a homer i'm a broncos fan i live in denver but give me all the javante williams i just want to point out i think it's funny i was looking at this earlier like 20 minutes ago i was looking at the show sheet and you have yourself last on every other one and then you put yourself first on the broncos one and i knew <laughs> i knew you were I like excited to, i like to sit back and play host but sometimes i gotta just you know just you go get your guy play to my strengths yeah. yeah so um okay but in all seriousness um I look at these three, you know, Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, and Javante Williams, and they're all in the same tier for me. They're like tier two running backs. Um, I think Josh Jacobs is going to be annoyingly slow in 2021, and it's not his fault. I think the Raiders are preparing for 17 games, which means a little bit less work. Uh, but I also think a lot of teams are preparing for, you know, a less of a workhorse role, um, which is also why, you know, I think guys like um, Keen Nwange and uh, – Darrell Henderson and, you know, Chase Edmonds, like those guys are going to still get a lot more work than people want. And yeah, dokes maybe. Um, But I think it's just because teams are preparing for 17 games. And I think people are like famous people forgetting about that. So I really look at these three guys in the same tier and just who do I think is the best player out of them? I think it's Josh Jacobs, but I don't trust John Gruden, man. I just, I do not trust John Gruden. He's like, continuously takes his best players off the field and puts in these guys who work hard, man, good character, man. But, you know, so that was a horrible impression. You got to cut that. It wasn't great. Um, it wasn't great. It, wasn't great. Uh, <laughs> it was not good, dude. Um, but 
I, then I look at Javante, and I know that year one, it'll definitely be a one-two committee. He'll probably, you know, as Chad said, be the two to start out, and, you know, they'll probably feed the hot hand. Um, obviously, Melvin Gordon's gone after 2021 unless he signs for a cheap deal to continue sticking around. But um, give me the guy with less wear and tear on his tires, you know, better tread arguably the most explosive in a team that could potentially have Aaron Rodgers. Um, and that makes a big difference in the running game. So I would be all about that. And, you know, it's the age for me, like the age cliff for running backs is real. Um, and those guys like David Montgomery, it just seems like he's already pushing that age cliff for some reason. He's not, but it just feels like it, but he's never going to be that explosive back. He's more of your slow workhorse. Um, but He's not an exciting – he's not a bad player, but he's not like a dynamic game changer, uh, unlike Javante can be. So give me Javante, and I'll be patient with him. I'm not drafting him to be my RB1 or RB2 anyways, um, typically how I draft. So if I can put him as my RB3, I'm all about that. So for that value and what I can do with him and expect moving forward, just know you've got to be patient with Javante year one. Do not get frustrated. And I want to hold on. I, I, I'm done talking, but I want to add in that I think it's really interesting that right after the draft, Javante Williams came out and said, Man, I was really surprised to be shocked by Denver because they didn't talk to me at all during the draft process. So that tells me Denver really liked the kid, but they didn't get the chance to meet the kid. So they're going to really be patient with him and develop him right. And that's exciting if you're a fantasy football player. I'm going to go and triple down three for three. Javante's all around. Uh, that rhymed. I like that. Um, so one, one other quick thing about the draft that I want to point out, I, I do think it is important to note that I think it's a very underappreciated thing about, uh, analyzing players when it comes to fantasy football. And I think it's very simple. It's depend if a team comes up and to, to get you, they trade up, how much are they giving up? Denver gave up a second and a fourth. That's a lot to come up only five or six spots, whatever it was. So they must really like this guy. They also didn't want him to land in Miami because he was going to Miami. Right. Like he already had his plane ticket booked. Right. So I don't think there's really anything I can say that you guys didn't say. Um, I had Javante Williams is my RB one of this class. I've taken him towards the mid to late uh, of every first round pick that I've had this year in my rookie drafts. Uh, I believe he's my RB four on a couple of teams. Uh, So I'm a little like Sam, like, stay patient year one, but I, I don't, I don't think we'll have to stay patient long. I, I do think as we get closer towards the playoffs, you know, week 11, week 12, I think he might have that, that second half season emergence where he just really takes over and kind of pushes Gordon to the side. Uh, but yeah, everything you guys said, I'm on board. I like a little twitchy running back in Williams. So. Uh, was Gordon banged up at the end of the last season, Chad? He no, he was banged up during the season, but he came back. He played late down the stretch. Uh, Philip Lindsay was actually out late late in the season. Okay. The reason why I ask is I was looking up the snap, uh, snap counts for the Broncos because I was curious. And that backfield was really close to a 50-50 split the last, like, five or six games. So I would not be surprised if by, like, week four or five, if Williams was running the show there. And I think he's a smash pick here. Jacobs, his ceiling's capped, um, especially with Drake there. I don't think Drake's a great running back. But if you look, they gave uh, 
Jalen Richard and Devontae Booker more targets than they gave Jacobs two years ago. David Montgomery, I think he's pretty good, but I just – Javante Williams is just better than both of these running backs, and he's in a better offense. Uh, I know a lot of people don't believe in Drew Locke, but I think Drew Locke's still got a lot of talent. I think Thank he's a you. quarterback. So, Thank you. I think it, <laughs> I love Javante, and I think he, he can do it all, you know. He, uh, yeah, he's a stud, so – Let's just yeah. Okay. Let's project forward a little bit. Let, let's play a little hypothetical, right? Let's say Aaron Rodgers does come to Denver. Okay. The defense is already, as soon as he steps on the plane, the secondaries, they're already going to take two steps backwards. Because you got Sutton, you got Judy, uh, Hamler's good Hamler. enough. Hamler's good enough to be a slot guy. You got Tim Patrick. He he's no scrub himself, right? And then and then Fant. So the defense is already going to take two steps backwards. That's like one or two guys less in the box. They're just going to give it to Javante. This guy could easily have a thousand yards this year. Yeah. And I think also, even if, if they stick with the quarterbacks they have, their defense improved a lot already and they're going to try to win. If they, if they don't get a guy like Rogers, they're going to try to win with defense running the football. I know they have some weapons in terms of the pass catchers, but they're going to run the ball and play. Their defense is going to be top five in the NFL. If not, you know, top three, they're, they're really going to be up there. They've got, they got a lot of players on that side of the ball. So I think they're going to run the ball a lot this year. They, I mean, they were already, I think they're, they gave running backs 372 rushing attempts last year. League average was 350. So they were already like 22 above league average. And I think we're going to see that jump even more this year. I honestly believe so next I've got off season that we will be talking about Javante Williams as a borderline RB one. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, so here's a question. I got two questions. Um, first question is, let's. I would. I think these these are more interesting. Javante Williams or J.K. Dobbins in Dynasty? I'll take Williams. I'll take Williams. Really? Yeah. I think that one's tough because I think the Ravens are going to kind of split that backfield. Then you got Lamar is going to have a hundred rushing attempts. Yeah. So I probably lean Williams too. Okay. Um, Javante or Clyde? Javante. That one's tough. I that love one is Clyde. Tough. Yeah. I think Clyde's Clyde. a very, very, very good, underrated, disrespected I mean, player. Since we're talking about it today, I'll go Javante just because of ADP. <laughs> okay, Matt? Yes. <laughs> do we know what Clyde's ADP is? All right. Okay. Here's one. Okay. And the, you're going to laugh at this first, but I want to talk about it first. Probably. So you guys have all talked about how much we all like Javante. We all agree before you laugh. And I, we all just talked about how much everybody likes Javante, but I, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> God, I almost died right there, dude. It was like an air bubble stuck in my throat. <laughs> All right. You can cut that. <clears throat> I'm going to start no, over the third time. That, that's going to be in our 45 No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not Okay, fine. Javante Williams or Jonathan Taylor. And you're going to take immediately. Hold on. before you, You're going to laugh immediately. But the Colts have repeatedly told us, like, it's going to be a committee. 
It is going to be a committee. Are you taking the guy who's got potential workhorse, or are you taking the guy who's going to be annoyed by Naeem Hines, Jordan Wilkins, and whatever the other guy's name is? Oh, Marlon Mack. Or, like, I, I think that's it. I honest to God think that's a serious question. Javante Williams or Jonathan Taylor in Dynasty? If, Sam, that's not a serious question. It's not a serious question, but if we're, if we're just saying, like, strategy-wise, if I'm, like, Look, when I draft a startup, I'm always trying well, to yeah, yeah. Out I mean, obviously, in the next two to three years. But if I were saying like, give me like a year or two window, and I'm going to build my roster up, I would I would draft Taylor, and I would try to sell him for Javante, or I would draft both. So like, I would try to sell Taylor for Javante plus like. Excuse me, you wouldn't you wouldn't like to have Javante Williams and however much you could get on top of him for Jonathan Taylor if you're no. saying like. Give me a year or two buffered before I like really compete. No, I would. look. I love Jonathan Taylor nice. as much as everybody nice. else. Paul. And I no, stop. Hold on. Hold on. No, 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 no. I believe like I love Jonathan Taylor as much as everybody else. He was my clear cut RB one last year. And there's no question, but I think there's a potential. I think there's a, a Matt. I see you rolling your eyes. I haven't said it yet. I think there's a potential. He's been anointed before he's earned it. I truly believe it's going to be much more of a committee than people really want to admit. Like, I love JT. I think he's a superstar. But, it, like, they are really annoying with running backs in Indianapolis. All right. They are super annoying. To be clear, Matt, I still am obviously taking Taylor. I'm just saying, like, if I were going with, like, a strategy, I would love to draft. And I, I like Taylor, too. But, like, I would love to draft him and trade him for Javante Plus if I'm saying, like, give me a year or two before I compete. But we all know – I mean, we've talked about these guys a lot on the podcast – lately so i want to see nick what do you how do you feel about that question also to circle back edwards alaire is going as rb15 so i don't know if that gives you any more context i would like to say something about jt first please i'm just saying in two years who would you rather have jt or javante that's all i'm trying to say you keep talking about this committee which i'm fine with because they were in a committee last year and Jonathan Taylor finishes the RB6 with really only having a productive eight or nine games, and Naheem Hines finishes RB18. That's your committee right there. They were only 12 spots apart. So now you uh, give, now you give oh, Jay coming in. Oh, no. 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 <laughs> Damn, tell me how you really feel. There has never been an NFL running back in NFL history since they started playing this game in leather T-shirts that a running back has come back from an Achilles injury and been successful. That is a career-ending injury. Marlon Mack is there to mentor. I will not be convinced otherwise. You're, but they, you're they too were, easy to get worked was in a committee last year, and he started late, and he still finishes RB6. So now you give him another offseason to continue to get integrated. Jonathan Taylor could finish as the RB1, and Naheem Hines could finish as the RB15. Like, that's well within the realm of possibilities. I'm taking JT all here. I, I do here. agree with what you're saying, Matt. To, to be fair, I do. I would rather have Jonathan Taylor a hundred times out of a hundred, but I'm. I think there's. I I think I do see Javante Williams being an RB one in 2022. I now, think his second year in the league, he will finish that's as not an to RB one. Javante is bad. I know, but that eight game stretch that he had last year, seven games, whatever it was, I wouldn't like 80 percent of them over 150 yards. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Totally. Do you think he ever cracks 2,000 rushing yards? I think he's going to have the opportunity. I, I think he's good enough to do it because when there are only eight or nine guys that have done it in history, I think he falls under uh, the category of like, you can, you have that potential. So we'll see. All right. I've got a 
I've got to lock you guys up here and, and they play Houston you guys or something because you guys are getting heated. But I actually want to hear from Nick and his thoughts on on everything that just got thrown around. Yeah, I think Taylor's kind of in the Nick Chubb situation, like phenomenal talent, but I think he is going to be capped. Um, I don't know, because when I view Dynasty, I view it in two to three year windows for players. Um, so there's just so much that can change over the next two to three years in both Indy and in Denver. I think it's a lot closer than people want it to be right now. Um, I Obviously, I would still choose JT um, just because the offensive line is ridiculous. Um, but I think Williams will be right up there too. I think Williams can be a top five dynasty RB next year if he gets hey. the carries that he should. Man, you could roast me about Jared Dokes in 10 minutes, and I won't care because you've had my back this whole episode. <laughs> Who is Jared Dokes? I don't know. Let's we'll talk not, about him here in a second. Let's Wait, not what, he's, no, he's, he's literally going to be talked about because Miles Gaskins in the next segment, and you know Jared right, Dokes then. is being bought up. All right, then. Perfect segue. Perfect segue. Perfect segue. Perfect segue. Save your hot dokes takes. Uh, Trey Sermon going as RB26 right now. Miles Gaskin going as RB25. Or James Robinson going as RB27. Tell us who you want, Matt. I am I'm going down on the James Robinson Titanic. I, I built the ship and now I'm going down on it. I don't don't even care. Don't even care. My thing with Miles Gaskin is the only reason that Jared Dokes is I have any interest in is that that they've invested nothing into four running backs. You know, Miles Gaskin and Dokes have the same draft capital. I'm not, I would would it shock me if if Gaskin wins the job? No, not at all. But where Dokes is going in the drafts in the fourth and the fifth and sometimes undrafted, I'll take the chance that he's actually the guy. I mean, he has a shot. Uh, and they also, like we've said before, they wanted to, to get Javante. So it's clear and obvious that they're not satisfied with Gaskin. And there was also reports pre-free agency that they wanted Aaron Jones. So they've been trying to upgrade. They weren't able to upgrade. So they took another guy. I mean, this is a competition here. This is, this is an open competition. Trey Sermon. No, I don't know. No comment. I just want James Robinson. I, that's just a ship I'm going to go down on. I, I don't think he's totally phased out. Um, and, and hopefully he gets traded to Miami so we can end all of this dokes cast. There you go. I like that idea. Yeah. I, uh, I think that Sermon's going to be the guy by like week five or six. Because if you look at Raheem Mostert, Mostert, however you pronounce his name, I think that Shanahan's a little frustrated that he wanted more money last year. And Trey Sermon, outside of like Devontae Freeman in Atlanta – who was a fourth round pick Trey Sermon was a third round pick. And that's the highest running back draft capital that Shanahan has spent on a running back outside of like an undrafted free agent. Uh, so I think Sermon's going to be his guy and the 49ers offense is a run first team. Um, and I think that's why they drafted Trey Lance because of how much they ran the ball at NDSU. And I just think that Sermon is like, he's, he's in the perfect situation. I mean, Shanahan makes, running backs that aren't that good look very good. And he's going to do that with Sermon, in my opinion. So I like James Robinson. I think he's a great talent. But with Travis E.T. in there now, I don't know. Something's going to happen with James Robinson. He's, I think they should trade him, honestly, because they could get, you know, a fourth, fifth round pick from him, probably. But I don't know. Yeah, Trey Sermon. They should I'm trade him to Miami. Um, I have something for Matt. 
Um, and I just. Um, all right, Pete, we got pulling out for my boy there, but um, of these three, I'm going to take Trey Sermon. Um, I think, you know, if I'm looking at the three things that matter most, draft capital and um, what teams are telling us, James Robinson feels bad, man. He got done dirty. Um, you know, but yeah, I, it's a losing battle. And you got to chase draft capital on this one. Miles Gaskin, same thing Matt just said. You know, they, they brought in Jared Dokes, who, you know, who could be the guy. Um, but they've, they've actively been – like I was told, you know, and I talked about this, like way, right after the season, they, they wanted to do an upgrade at running back. Um, and they were hell-bent on getting Aaron Jones, and that didn't work out because, well, the Packers paid him. And then they tried trading up for, or they wanted Javante and everybody knew it. And Denver said, that's not happening. Um, so I'm going to take the draft capital and to Nick's point, you know, he's the highest drafted running back the Kyle Shanahan's ever had it. I don't love Trey Sermon, but I hate, and we're starting to see this now. And it's, 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 it's upsetting to see that people are starting to put Trey Sermon's name next to Keyshawn Vaughn. Like that is like really disrespectful to Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon's good at football. Um, He's not great, um, but, you know, he's got the clear-cut opportunity to be the guy. You know, Raheem Mostert's always hurt, and he's pushing 30. He may even be over 30. You know, he wants the bag. He's not getting it. Jeff Wilson's, you know, just a guy. Um, Salvin Ahmed is now in Miami. Um, Elijah Mitchell's very interesting. Yeah, Jamichael, he's not going to make the team. Um, But Elijah Mitchell is – also very interesting, and I literally just saw a report like two hours ago that um, Elijah Mitchell was turning heads and lighting up camp or something like that. Um, yeah, but I'm not surprised. I think Ray retweeted it, so I went and I was curious, and I kind of did some watching and stuff. But of these three guys, I, I think it's pretty obvious you want um, Trey Sermon, and I don't have much to say other than that, really. Do you guys I have a question? Do you guys remember Joe Williams running back out of Utah? Shanahan um, traded, Shanahan traded up for him in the 2017 draft. It was the fourth round, but my point is everybody says, Oh, like Shanahan goes up and gets a guy, like you gotta take notice. Fair enough, but he did that with Joe Williams. There was a story about how he just pounded the table. We have to get this guy, we have to get this guy. They traded up for him. He had some injury concerns, and he's he's long gone now. But my point is that, like, just because Shanahan traded up for Trey Sermon, it doesn't make him a great running back. And I think no matter what, we're going to see a committee there. Um, roll the Titanic music because, Matt, I'm going down with you. James Robinson. Uh, I, I mean, everything <laughs> we're hearing, there. I, I fear that Urban Meyer is going to use Travis Etienne. Thank you. The scene with Kate Winslow and uh, Leo on the edge of the boat, that's Matt and I right now. I just think my biggest thing is is just like you had 31 other teams get to watch him last year. Like do is do really 31 other people not value him at like a third or a fourth round pick to go get yeah, him? Yeah, I think that's, make him that's like he's too good point. just to sit there. I, and I don't think he is going to sit there. I do think they're going to use ETN as a pass catcher. They're going to move him around. And I think J-Rob is still going to see enough to – 
to have a real impact and, and be an RB. Like, like an RB2, RB3, yeah. yeah. Like, he'll still play. Like, they're going to, like, but the guy you want with a PPR upside is going to be Travis Etienne. Um, like, if you can get James Robinson and put him as your, you know, third flex, I'm all for it. But just know that the ship's going down. Um, and let me ask you this. Look around the NFL landscape now. Where does James Robinson go that he gets that workhorse role? There's Miami. no – I mean – Miami. Atlanta. Oh, he's not – no, not Atlanta. You seen quad thigh lord up there? <laughs> either way, either way, the I mean, things change in the NFL often, not even necessarily yeah. this year, possibly next year. But either way, I don't think Gaskin has longed for a, a big role in Miami, and I just think – I don't think Trey Sermon's a great player. I really like Elijah Mitchell. So to your point about those reports, I think it's going to be always going to be a committee there. And I think, you know, I like Elijah, Elijah Mitchell. And I think him and Trey Sermon will be the two. You know, know. be really cool and really sad all at the same time to just wrap it all up into one emotion. Is that next off season, Seattle doesn't resign Rashad Penny and my heart breaks. And then they can cut Chris Carson for almost nothing. And then they trade for the James Robinson to act as their Marshawn Lynch. So just pound and pound. Too good to be true for you is what it my, would be. My so. heart's full again. But I'm uh, – yeah, No, what will happen for next year in Seattle will be they'll trade up and take like the seventh best running back on Matt's board and he's going to lose his shit. He'll be unbearable. Oh, my God, I can't believe they did that. They hate me. That's what's going to happen. They take the seventh best running back on my board. He's automatically the best running back on my board. That's how that works. <laughs> wow. He admits it. He admits it. So now we hey, all know. Does nobody else have Dwayne Eskridge as their wide receiver one this year? I thought he was phenomenal at Western Michigan. All right. Let's uh, let's go to our final. final <laughs> I'm going to clip that and put it on Twitter <laughs> and say, like, no context. It'd be like, just. In case y'all were curious. Oh, man. 25-year-old seniors <laughs> playing their sixth year of college football at an FCS type of school? I love it. Let's draft him in the second. <laughs> hey. All right. Let's every go time. All right, Chad. I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm done now. Everybody stop talking. <laughs> I've had it with you guys. Let's go on to Michael Carter going as running back 33. Ronald Jones, Sam's favorite player on the planet, going as RB34. Or Damian Harris going as RB35. Nick, start us off. Yeah, this one's easy for me. Michael Carter is just as good as Javante Williams. If you watch their tape, uh, Michael Carter's a better receiving back, but Javante Williams is still a really good receiving back. Uh, Michael Carter has better vision, I think, than Javante, but not by a lot. Um, if you look at the other Jets running backs, you got Tevin Coleman, who cannot stay healthy to save his life. And then you got, well, who is it, uh, P. Ryan, who's, I mean, he's not that good. <laughs> and then uh, I couldn't tell you anybody else on the roster. Um, Ronald Jones, I don't think he's a very good running back. <laughs> And then Damian Harris, you got the Patriots who are going to, you know, roll out six different running backs. All right, leave. Sure never- All right, we're done. Episode's over. But, yeah, Ronald Jones is 
average at best running back. Damian Harris is okay. And Michael Carter is the best of those three. So it's easily Michael Carter for me. It, it's me, right? Yeah. And, and we know your answer. Uh, but go ahead. Yeah, let's be real here. I'm friends with a guy in real life. I can't help it. Um, I, I, but I'm just going to pray to God he gets freed, you know, like maybe in, when he finally becomes a free agent, someone who wants him will give him the role. Um, but to be serious, um, you know, if I'm on the clock and I'm trying to build the team, um, I would probably take Michael Carter and try to use the rookie hype and everything and go from there, I guess. But I really want it to be Rojo. Matt, you like your you're thinking hard about this. I'm going to go with D. None of the above. I'm drafting another position at this spot. I don't like any don't, of these. I don't like any of these the options. Rule let me check the rule book. Uh, yeah, no, that's definitely not allowed. My that's only cool. issue with Michael Carter is because we talked about this last week, and I know Corey is super in tune with the Jets because they drafted everyone he likes. That I understand what Nick's, Nick's point. Tevin Coleman is hurt, but he is with the staff that did have him before. Okay, and they also, I think it was a fourth round pick in the Michael P. Ryan last year. And then it's, or a fifth, and the Carter was a fourth as well. Or was he a third? Who, Carter? Yeah. He was a fourth. He was a fourth, right. So again, very similar investment in, in draft capital all the way around. Tevin Coleman, I don't know how much he was signed for, but I know it wasn't like starters money. So I, I just feel like I'm not entirely sure like this is like Michael Carter's job. Like I think he's going to have to fight for it. And I think he's definitely good enough, but also at the same time, I don't think it's ever going to be his job. Cause I think they're still going to use Tevin Coleman. Uh, Nick was also on point about Damien Harris. They got a whole stable of running backs. You never know week to week. Um, but I guess the most interesting guy is Ronald Jones to me only because he is a free agent next year and he could go to a place like Atlanta, which would actually be a really good fit. Um, so for 2021, I don't necessarily want any of these guys, but if I'm looking forward to 2022 and beyond, I'll take Ronald Jones, who's the free agent next year. Nick made a, a face. He was disgusted about the Atlanta fit. I do not want that. I'm a Falcons fan for people that okay. don't know. It's uh, not a Tevin bad spot, Coleman. Though. Yeah, I just don't like the talent. That's um, fine. Okay, yeah. Now we're just funny guy, huh? But – um, Devin, I would, Devin I, Coleman signed a, a one-year, $1 million contract, so I'm not worried about Tevin yeah, Coleman at all. I also – the only concern I have personally about Michael Carter is not Michael Carter. It's the coaching staff. And I don't have anything to go off of this based other than just the vibe and who they brought in as a coaching staff. I they, They're going to run a wide zone scheme. Um, and they strike me as a team that's just going to be a full-blown San Francisco-type committee the guy who's got the guy the hot hands gonna be you know on the field um it'll probably be michael carter who's hot more often because michael p ryan's not very good tevin coleman i mean he's 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 tevin coleman um something else like you definitely want michael carter of the backfield but he's not a workhorse guy you know he's a little bit slender of a guy but um, to be honest, they just really strike me as that full-blown committee. Um, and we won't know until the season gets here. But the way, you know, everything they operate, Robert Sala is they do what's best for the team. You know, you know, 
you're hot, you play sort of situation. So that's just kind of how I see it playing out. Um, for fantasy purposes, it'll probably be annoying, but Michael Carter's a good player. And, um, you know, I don't think you want to stray away from that, even though he did fall to the round four, because um, draft capital running backs matters the most. Rounds one and two, you, you got the opportunity to be the guy. Round three, you're 50-50, and round four and later, you're usually, you know, a rotational piece. But um, he's by far, I think, the most talented player in that room right now. Um, but, it, you know, he may take a while to get going, or they may have a full-blown committee. I don't know. But you're definitely taking the shot. Um, so that's just where I'm at with that. But I think the best player of the group is Rojo, but my opinion doesn't matter, really. Well, it – not that mine does either, but I, I liked Rojo a bit coming out, Sam. I don't know if you know that about me, but he was on the doorstep of a thousand yards last year. I think people oh, yeah, really know. realize that. Like he was pretty good last year. And I'm I'm a little torn between him and Michael Carter. Um Damian Harris can get lost, but yeah. Michael Carter is super interesting in New York. And I want him in my rookie draft, but I think I think I lean Rojo in this scenario. Uh, being a free agent and I think he can still I, I still think he's the best back the Tampa Bay has and I I just think he's gonna have another solid season and be a free agent and potentially get a feature role so I it's think Carter's crazy. really interesting but I'm still still leaning Rojo it's crazy that Rojo's uh, uh, I just say it's, it's crazy that Rojo's only 23 like he just turned 23 and has had back-to-back 1,000 plus scrimmage yard years and I mean he would have clearly had over a thousand rushing yards last year if he didn't break his finger and then um, like even the last game of the year was so frustrating to watch because I was talking to coach Luke Neal during the game uh, like Rojo was toting it for seven yards every time he touched it seven yards I mean just ripping off and then they just quit giving the ball and he's 20 yards away and coach Luke Neal was messaging me he goes I can't believe they're doing this like this is some bullshit. Like, and I think I personally think there's some frustration from the Jones camp in Tampa. I don't think he'll be back, even if they win another Super Bowl, because they've kind of done him dirty. I mean, the dude's produced when he's on the field over five yards carry last year, had 980 rushing yards, and he needed 20 yards for a huge bonus. Like, I don't think people understand, like, the 1,000-yard crosshold for players in the NFL is a huge bonus in most people's – and he's still on his rookie year, rookie contract, where it's a lot of incentive-based. And typically, the way contracts are built for higher draft players is it's more incentives and guaranteed money. And he wanted that incentive. And they they basically took it from him because he was 20 yards away and he was ripping it. And they had put Leonard Fournette in who would run for three yards and Rojo would go run for eight. And it was really frustrating to watch. But that's totally me just ranting. No, that's fair. I think uh, I think Rojo's a good player. I think he's kind of become underrated because of the narrative around him with a lot of people. So I agree with that. Yeah. But uh, Matt, Nick, you guys have any uh... – Final thoughts on this situation? What do you guys think? I don't think he's a great talent, but they did sign Giovanni Bernard. Do you think he gets some receiving work? What do you think the outlook is for him in Tampa? I do. Um, I actually put a tweet out on Twitter. Wow. Hold on. Okay. This, I'll get back to this. This just popped up in one of my leagues. Super flex league. This is huge. Lamar Jackson, four. Justin Fields, Kadarius Toney, a 22-3 and a 22-1. Wow. Like literally just happened. I don't know what I think of it yet. Um, but that part I'm going to cut out. Oh, boo. But okay. Um, 
I put a tweet out last week or a couple weeks ago talking about Giovanni Bernard's got like that top 15 upside in PPR. People want to go, oh, he's not, you know, James White, blah, blah, blah. Well, it was Dion Lewis for years too and James White. I think Giovanni Bernard will be a decent flex piece. He's a very good receiving back. He'll be that third down running back they desperately missed last year, and he'll have probably 70 receptions next year. He'll be a guy where you can plug and play if you need him, and I think that's very valuable in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I think Gio will catch a lot of passes. I I don't think Rojo is necessarily going to get a ton of passing work uh, regardless, and I think Rojo was the better running back between him and Leonard Fournette up until, you know, playoff Lenny knocked down the door. But, um, yeah, give me Rojo here. Joe Flacco got a massive contract off of being playoff Flacco, so it happens sometimes. All right, that's going to do it for us. Thank you all for being here. Thank you, Nick, for joining us. Uh, It was a lot of fun having you here. Uh, Make sure to head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts where you get the inside info you won't get anywhere else. Mm